Our reading in the New Testament this morning is from uh, John chapter 2. We'll be reading verses 13 through 22 of John chapter 2. And just as I was preparing reading this uh, this week, just had a few reminders from the Reformation, what we just went through. Uh, I think you'll see one a warning against turning the house of God into something it shouldn't be. Selling of indulgences, selling of pigeons, you know, even back when Jesus was here. Uh, And then at least three of the solas. So here we go. John chapter 2, starting in verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And here's two of them, Sola Scriptura and Sola Christus. Remembered he had said this, and they believed the Scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. This is the Word of God. Remain standing. Ryan's going to read the sermon text. We're going to be in Matthew uh, 6 this morning. Let me read our our sermon text for us. Uh, Matthew 6, starting at verse 25. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are, are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, 
Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You can be seated. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, uh, we'll get started. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word. Uh, give, us, give us hearts uh, to receive it. Give us ears to, to, to hear well this morning. Um, give me clarity of, of thought and speech up here, Father. Um, but just thank you for this place. Thank you for my church family. And uh, may, may you be exalted and glorified here today. It's in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so uh, again, we're going to be in Matthew 6 this morning. And I, and I thought this was a, a timely... Um, a timely message uh, to talk about, you know, being anxious, not worrying. Um, anyone here ever worry about anything? <laughs> um, uh, well, from this day forward, don't, don't worry. Don't be anxious because Jesus told us so. So sermon over, let's pray. Um, no, it's, it's not that easy, is it? It, it never is. Um, that's why when we read words in Scripture about this Christian life and about our, our walk, we read words like race and, and contend and battle and gird up. Um, so it, it's hard. This Christian life is hard. And, and this re- refined sin, I'm putting quotes around that, this acceptable sin of, of anxiousness and worry, it takes work. It's no different. It, it takes battle. And we need to root it out with the truth of God's word, because I think what we'll see this morning is that this sin of worry and this sin of of anxiousness is is not so refined and it it shouldn't be so acceptable. What we'll actually see this morning is that it's really incompatible with with basic and foundational things in our Christian life. And so... um, so, yes, yeah, so, but look at the day that's around us. Look at the age that we live in. Is there anything around you that you can think of to be, you know, worried about? There's a, there's a lot, isn't it? Um, there's uncertainty. Uh, there are things that are completely out of our control that are all around us. Things that threaten our life. Th- things that threaten our well-being. Things that threaten our security, um, our way of life and on and on and on. And it's always been like that, and it always will be. Uh, we live in a, in a fallen world, so it's always going to be like that. As a matter of fact, you know, the day and age that we live in, anxiety and, and worry is probably one of the most widespread emotions in our, in our day. Uh, some have called our day, our era, an age of anxiety. Some of the most commonly prescribed medicines are medicines that treat anxiety or treat the side effects of anxiety. Um, I ran across some of these, uh, these stats and some of this info in a, a sermon that I did a while back on, on contentment. Um, and there, there are some stats on just anxiety and worry in our country today. But anxiety disorder affects 40 million adults in the U.S. each year. That's 18% of the adult population. That's nearly one in five uh, struggle with this. 25% of young people deal with 
some type of severe anxiety between the ages of 13 and, and, and 20. A few years ago, a Gallup poll was taken among youth in America, and the question was asked to them, what is their basic feeling that they have towards this life? And 60% of them that were polled said had an answer that was related to, in some way to fear and anxiety. So, you know, you can, with any stat and with any poll, you can, you know, kind of chunk that if you want to. But the point is, and I think we can see it all around us, that this is pervasive in our country, that this is, a, this is an emotion that is, that is steadily growing in, in our country. But we are called, just like in so many other areas of our life, we are called to something different. We're called to, to live our life in a different way. Not only are we as, as Christians called to be different in this area, what we're going to see this morning is we have very good reason to be different in this area. We have very good reason not to, to act like the rest of the world when it comes to, to worry and, and being anxious. Um, we're called to live this life differently because of the truths that we have in God's Word, because of the promises that we've been given in, by our Heavenly Father. And in our passage this morning, we see... As Jesus speaks, he, we see that the negative side of this, we see the, the ugly, you know, the worry and the anxiousness, but we also see beauty in this passage. We see God's provision. God is our great provider. You know, we, we bring the ugly, <laughs> we, bring the, we bring the worry and we bring the anxiousness, but God brings this beauty. He brings this beauty that says, you know, don't, don't be anxious. Don't worry about your life. Look, because I'm your great provider. I know all of your needs better than you do. Trust me. And so, again, I think as we go through this, we'll, 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 I hope we see how we can just drive out worry and anxiousness and how we can be disciplined in our life to take captive these moments that we're bent towards worry and we're bent towards anxiousness, but we can take the word captive and use it in those situations, make these connections in our life this isn't just some doctrine that we learn about God's provision and we take it and we put it on a shelf. No, we, we take it and we connect it to times in our life. We make vital connection to those moments in our life where, man, I want to worry right now. I want to spend the next hour of my life worrying right now because that's what we do. No, we take it and we say, no, God is our great provider. He knows what I need. His resources are far greater than mine. My resources are lacking here, but God's are not. So, um, so we're going to see that today in our passage. Um, the negative, our worry and our anxiety, but God's beautiful provision. And it's like that so often. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's walking us up to, and, and this is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He's walking us up to our sin. He's confronting our sin, but he's, he's going to show us the beauty of God's provision here. And, and that beauty, again, I've already alluded to this, is that God is our great provider. Um, there's beautiful truth. There's beautiful doctrine here in this passage, the doctrine of God's providence. Um, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. James 1.7. God in his providence provides all that is needed for his creation. God's providence is demonstrated in the past by creating all things. 
and he reigns over all things. God's providence is shown today in the present. By, he continually sustains all things, all things, all aspects of his creation. God's providence will be put on display in the future when it is shown that all of creation fulfilled his sovereign purposes perfectly. So throughout history, God's providence is, is on display and will be on display. Our confession of faith says this about the providence of God. God, the good creator of all things in his infinite power and wisdom, doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures and things from the greatest even to the least by the most, his most wise and holy providence to the end for which they were created according unto his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, infinite goodness, and mercy. And we would say amen to that. That was one sentence, by the way, <laughs> one sentence. But we would say amen to that. And I would think as they wrote that, they would have been thinking about passages like Colossians 1, 16 and 17, where it says, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Amen. Beautiful truth, beautiful truth that we should take hold of. Like I said, we, this isn't something that that we just learn about, and it's just, you know, this, these theological terms that are just up there in, 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 in our heads. No, we, we take hold of them, and they, they help shape us, and they help shape our perspective and how we look at circumstances and situations in our life. It's not this abstract idea that makes for, for good religious quotes or good seminary papers. No, this should be part of our everyday life. The things that we're going to see in this passage should, should be foundational to us. These are truths among many others in God's words that will help us flourish in this life. They'll help us glorify him regardless of our situation. The providence of God will help us live joyful and peaceful lives. God is our great provider. In Psalm 139, it says that he formed you, that he, that he covered you in your mother's womb. And even before that, it says that God knew us, that he, that he planned us, that he planned you before time began. Before time began, God knew you and he planned your, your days in advance. He planned all of your tomorrows. All of your tomorrows are in his hand. This very moment is in the hand of a loving father. How valuable we must be to him. How valuable we must be to him. Not in a way that because we're of some use to him or we fill some void, but he, he loves us. He cares for us. He continually cares for us. He cares for you always. In the course of life, there will be times where we feel confused. There'll be times where we feel dismayed. There'll be times where we feel angry. There'll be times where we feel fearful. And we're even paralyzed by all of it. But the Bible says this. He says, it says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. That's in Psalm 37. Our Heavenly Father is with us. 
He cares for us. He's with us in the ups and the downs, the stumbles, the uncertainty. We just keep moving with our eyes fixed on Him. We keep moving with our eyes fixed on Him because your Heavenly Father cares for you and He's your provider. He loves providing for us. And do you know how long this will last? Do you know how long God will be our provider? Forever. Forever. Forever He will do this. Through, through this life and into eternity, Jude tells us um, that it's Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present us blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. We're also promised in Philippians that He who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And then when we get to heaven, our sin in this broken world will be taken out of the equation. So, I mean, forever it goes on through this life and, in, and into eternity. And again, this needs to be foundational to our everyday perspective, to our, to our worldview. It needs to just be foundational that our God is for us, that He will supply our every need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's why our passage says here in, in Matthew 6, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. If all these things are true, what I just kind of went through there in, in, that little, in that intro, if all these things are true, then what sense does it make to worry? If God is for us, if He, if he has planned our days, if He has planned our tomorrows, if He was with us when He was knitting us together in the womb and He he loves taking care of us. What, what sense does it make to worry? To worry and to be anxious in situations is to say that we don't really believe those things to be true at, at that moment. Um, that we don't really believe that the providence of God is, is best in that moment. And Jesus says so in this passage. He says, oh, when he says, oh, oh, ye of little faith. And again, I'm, this whole week as I've been preparing, I've been just like daggers, you know, because uh, I'm, I'm preaching to myself, and this is, this is hard because there's, there's, this life is hard, and there's so many gaps in our understanding and gaps in, in what's going to happen, and, and, and we'll get into to some more of that um, here in a minute. So this is, this is a difficult subject. This is a hard subject, and I know we all struggle with it, but I thought it was, again, I thought it was timely considering the day and the age that we live in. Um, now, before we start digging into the actual passage, I want to touch on a couple things that Jesus is not talking about here and that we're not talking about here this morning. Um, number one, obviously, we're not saying when we're talking about God's provision and him providing all our needs, we're not saying, you know, health, wealth and prosperity gospel. We're not referring to that at all. Um, when we're talking about God's provision, we know that we're not promised an easy life. We're not promised material things. We're not promised anything that our hearts desire. Um, sometimes the thing that we need is not what we would plan in God's providence. Sometimes the thing in God's infinite wisdom that he provides that is the thing that we need is a hard thing. Um, and, and God's ways are much higher than ours. And, and so many places in Scripture inform our doctrine of the providence of God in contrary to health, wealth, and prosperity. So I'm not going to touch on that much more this morning, but I just wanted to make that clear. Uh, another thing that I wanted to make clear, and this is a little more, um, you know, legitimate, but um, Jesus is not forbidding here. He's not forbidding us 
from having legitimate concern or care about things. We need to have concern and care, and we need to plan and work towards, towards things. He's not forbidding that. Um, we, almost anything in this world that's worth doing takes preparation and takes thought and takes concern and takes care. So the point is, is not that. It's not to become this care, carefree, let go, let God, do nothing type of person. That's not what God is talking about here. The point is, don't bring the troubles and, of, and uncertainties of carrying out those future plans into today. Don't rely on, on grace that is meant for that day and solving those challenges and those concerns. Don't let that dominate and distract today. It, that's, and we're going to unpack that a little bit more in a minute. Um, Jesus is saying, don't let that level of concern and that level of care consume you to a point to where it becomes sinful. Um, don't let your planning and your care become worry and anxiety. So, so we're, again, we're not saying to let go, let God, and become this do-nothing person. Plan, have care, have concern, but do so with God's providential hand right at the forefront of your mind and right at the forefront of your thoughts. Um, some ways to, to examine ourselves here, um, and this is all before we kind of jump in, some way to examine ourselves here, a way to tell if, if we're leaving the ballpark of care and concern and heading straight towards worry and anxiety, um, have we removed the awareness of God's providence from the equation? Is God's providence removed from our thought and our perception of, of the circumstance? Are we, are we approaching a challenge or uncertainty with total self-reliance, with, with total worldly reliance, and very little thought of the truth of God's word and the truth of what he has done? Are, are you trusting and waiting on God in your concern and care, or has, has doubt and lack of faith caused you to shift your focus from his control of all things to your control or the lack thereof? Um, are you looking to your own provision and to yourself as your ultimate provider? Are you trying to solve tomorrow's problems today? Are you, are you stressing and consumed with tomorrow's problems today? When the answer to those questions, you could probably add, you could add a lot to those, but when the answer to those questions is yes, worry and anxiety will, will soon follow because we are terrible substitutes as the ultimate provider. Our power and control is so limited, and God's is not. Our understanding and knowledge is so limited, and God's is not. Our ability to see the big picture is so limited, and God's is not. Worrying and anxiety says that we, again, we don't believe that God will do that all he, all he has said he will do, that he will take care of us, that he will work things out for our good, that he will finish the work, that he will meet our every need. Or, or it may go something like this, and this is, this is kind of peeking into the brain of Ryan here, um, and maybe some of y'all can identify, but it's, not that, it's maybe not that blatant, but it says, God, I believe you are provider. I believe you are sovereign and in control, but what I'm worried about is the way that I think you're probably going to make this go down, <laughs> and I don't know that I'm going to like this. I'm worried about the way that, that you may choose to meet my need is not the way that I want to do it, and I'm scared that it's going to hurt. And guess what? It might. 
It, it might hurt. It might hurt for a little while. I'm not crying. Um, but that leads us to another thing that our worry and anxiety exposes. Are we heavenly minded? Are we kingdom focused? Or are we focused on this, on this world? Are we focused on the temporary things around us? Jesus says here that, that God knows what we need. He's not overlooking you or he's not, you're not slipping through the cracks. He, he knows what you need. But he tells us, you, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to, added to you. So what Jesus is saying is, take your eyes off of this world. Take your eyes off of these temporary things. And where is your treasure? Right before this, in this passage in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about laying up treasure in heaven. And, and that's what he's encouraging us to do here in, in this passage, as we're going to see, is when we face a trial or we face a challenge in this world, knowing we have a treasure in heaven, knowing that we have a treasure laid up for us, or when we face a trial or a challenge, do we think, about an unimaginable inheritance that is waiting for us in heaven. Taking our minds off of this world and, and fixing them on Christ and fixing them on things above. We'll get to more of that in a second. Okay, so let's jump right in into the, uh, into the passage here. So looking at Jesus' first words, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. So do not be anxious about your life. That's a command. This isn't a suggestion. He gives us a command. The same command he gives it three times in this passage in verse 25, verse 31, and verse 34. He says it three different times. He wants us to get it. He wants us to get it. He wants his people, God's followers, to get this, to understand this. This is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. So this is to his disciples this is to his followers. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then you have reason to worry. You have reason to be concerned uh, about your life. Um, even if you have all the material things you need, if you have all the world security that you could possibly ever have, you have reason to, to worry and to, to be anxious about your life because you're not set right with God. So this, these words are, are too his people, and to his followers. So the passage starts with, with therefore, so pointing us back to what he has just said. And like I just mentioned, what he had just talked about was uh, the danger and the foolishness of trying to lay up treasures on earth, but rather to lay up treasures in, in heaven. So Jesus goes on in the passage to tell us not to worry about the basics of life, not to worry about food, drink, clothing. And what's implied here is that if, if we're commanded not to worry or be anxious about those basic and essential things, then clearly we shouldn't worry about anything else. If God is going to be there to provide those essential things, then he's, he's there to provide all that we need. He's there to meet our every need. And what, what a great command to keep. What a joyful command. What a happy command to keep. Has anybody ever had fun worrying it's terrible, isn't it? It stinks. It's, it's the worst. I mean, you just get tied up in knots and 
you just get consumed by this thought, and a lot of it is just irrational and never even going to come to fruition anyway. What a joyful command to keep. So Jesus gives us some reasons here that we don't have to, to worry about our life. Um, we've already talked about God's provision that we see in this passage, but Jesus lays out some simple ways for us, and he gets very, he gets very practical in it. But the first thing that we, we want to see is that life is about more than sustaining our physical bodies, food and drink and clothing. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Again, Jesus is raising our eyes from, from this world and pointing us to something more, to an eternal perspective, to eternal life. And we know from Jesus' words in the Gospel of John, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who, who you have sent. Life is about more than, than these things. Don't, don't be like the world and reduce it to that. God will provide those things. You set your eyes on, on, on his pursuits, on, on his kingdom. Jesus is saying, set your eyes on me and follow me. And God knows you need these things, and he's going to provide these things for you. So why is worry and, and anxiety and the fear that comes from that, why is that incompatible with that kingdom focus? Uh, we've all seen this. We've all, we all know this. What does fear and worry and anxiety do to your focus and your thought life? It consumes it, doesn't it? Um, it gives you this tunnel vision. Like if, if this room were God's goodness and his providence and all that he has done and all of his deliverance and all of the work that he would have you do and all, if this room is just filled with everything that God has done, what worry and fear and anxiety does, if this is a challenge, it takes all of that and it says, and it just brings you right to that problem. And that's all you are focused on. That's all you think about. Your mind is just consumed with, with that thought and trying to solve that problem. And the reason it is is because you're trying to operate with resources that most of the time we really don't have. I mean, we're thinking about tomorrow's challenges or tomorrow's troubles. We don't even know if we're going to be here tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold and what additional challenges are going to be there. And so our minds are just swirling and everything that God has said he's going to do, all of his promises are like this room, but we're like this. And we're just focused on the challenge and we're focused on the trial. So it becomes incompatible with setting our minds on things above because it draws us here. And we're just focused on the challenge and on the, on the problem. Worry and anxiety also just makes us vulnerable just makes us vulnerable to the enemy. The enemy uses worry and anxiety to multiply our fears and our doubts. Have you ever had that? You have something that you're, that you're worried about in the future, and so you just start thinking about it, and you're thinking about it, and thinking about it, and you just start thinking about the worst thing that could possibly come out of it. You're just multiplying your fears and your doubts, and that's, that, that the enemy uses our worry in that way. You ever, you ever just gotten in this worry spiral where you just go down these irrational and illogical rabbit holes. You're like, 10, mi 10 minutes later, you kind of like come up for air and you're like, goodness, I was trying to figure out how to respond to this tense email and now I'm homeless and without a job. You know, you just go down just these just irrational and illogical rabbit holes, you know, as, as, you, as the enemy just 
uses our worry and our anxiety to multiply our fears and our, and our doubts. We become vulnerable to the enemy in our worry when they, we're encouraged to take control of the circumstance. We're, we're the ones in control. We know what we really need. You're the one that can avenge yourself and make this right. You know, So the enemy uses it to lead us towards all these things that are just incompatible with a kingdom focus, with, with setting our minds on things above. So we don't need to worry about our life because life is more than our physical bodies. As you've heard from this pulpit from Pastor Butch many times, your greatest problem has been taken care of. Your greatest problem has been, has been solved already. So we, we don't need to worry about our physical lives so much because all this world can do is kill us. <laughs> That's Jesus' word. You know, Jesus says, says that much to his, to his disciples. All this world can do is, is kill you. And if that happens, your greatest problem has been taken care of. And you're going to be in, in, in glory with him. So also, we don't have to worry about our life because we are of great value to our Heavenly Father. Again, not, not that we fill some type of void in God or, or that we're valuable because of these great things that we can do for the kingdom. You know, God can use anyone to do whatever he wants to do. But we are valuable to him because he, love, he loves us. We're valuable to him because he loves us. We're his children. We, we have been adopted and we're valuable to him. And Jesus helps us to see this in very down-to-earth ways. He points us to nature. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? So, I mean, birds don't worry about that stuff. Birds, birds don't worry about things they don't have the power to control, and the heavenly Father takes care of them. David says it like this in Psalm 145. He says, the eyes of all who look to you, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. So Jesus is saying here, look at the birds and let it just sink in. Let it sink in that they are provided for and you are worth infinitely more to the heavenly father than they are. So it would be silly to think that God is not going to meet your needs. If he meets the needs of the birds of the air, it is silly. It is foolishness to think that he's not going to meet your needs. Silly to think about worrying and being anxious will add anything to your life. Will, will somehow worrying produce any better or a longer life? No, it's the exact opposite. Jesus asks this rhetorical question next. He says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And the obvious answer is no one. No, it's not positive. It actually, it does the, actually does the opposite. It makes our life worse, and it, in a lot of cases shortens our life uh, when we worry and stress about things. So it's not possible. Our days are numbered. Our days are numbered by, by God. And then Jesus points us to nature again and says, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So he points us to, the, to flowers and to the you know, beautiful fields. Flowers are beautiful, aren't they? Flowers are beautiful. They, I love the spring when, you know, when I'm kind of riding down the road and there are these pastures and they'll just be covered with purple flowers or they'll be covered with those yellow flowers. I think they're a weed, but they're beautiful. I mean, they're, they're gorgeous. There's, some, there's a 
part of the woods at our at hunt pro- the hunting property we used to have where wisteria grew in the in the in the trees. And man, every spring it was just so beautiful. The trees would just be covered with this beautiful purple flower. But they're gone like that. That same field that you pass that has those beautiful purple flowers or those beautiful yellow flowers in the spring or that wisteria. I mean, it was just a few days and, and, it, was, and it was gone. Those, those blooms were gone. But they are beautiful. Jesus points us to those things, and says, points us to nature and say, don't worry about these things. Think about the grass of the field. Think about the flowers. God makes them beautiful. They don't toil, they don't spin, and they're gone tomorrow. How much more valuable are you than those things? Another reason we shouldn't worry from our passage here, worry about our life, is we have a heavenly Father that knows what we need better than you do. Better. God knows what I need better than I know what I need. Much better. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. God knows that we need these things. He, it's not, it doesn't occur to him. He doesn't overlook or forget that we need anything. He knows that we need them. He knows how to provide them in the best possible way, even when it doesn't feel like it. Even when it doesn't feel like we're being cared for or provided for, God knows how to provide for us in the best possible way. Don't, what Jesus is encouraging us here to do is to not think like, a, like we were when we were lost, like we were when we, we weren't his children. When he says, don't think, that's what the Gentiles seek after. Um, your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Don't think like we, like we did when we were lost or think like our lost neighbor. We now, we now have promises. We now have hope. We now have the hope of God's providential care. We now have the promises of that he's going to meet our every need. Um, we've now been brought near, and we, we live in this world with a hope and a re- realization that God is going to provide for his people. So, so we have different pursuits. We have different longings. Your Heavenly Father knows all that you need, even the things that you don't know you need. And then Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God, the, again, the, the Gentiles, those separated from God, they don't think like that. You think like this. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So again, our mindset needs to be set above and not on this world. Seek, seek the kingdom of God. Set your minds on those things and not on the temporal things that are around you. Not worried about the temporal things that are around us and going after those pursuits and going after those endeavors to the point of anxiousness and worry. Set your mind on on God and His kingdom, and He will add all these things to you. Okay, another reason that we should not worry and that we shouldn't worry about our lives is that's not how God designed it. That's not how God designed us. There is a design to God's mercy and grace to endure. There's a design to God's mercy and grace to face the challenges of each day. His grace abounds. His grace and mercy abound to us, but they are meant to abound to us today. Um, Jesus said, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
And th these next few thoughts came from an article that I read from, um, from John Piper years ago. But in Lamentations 3.22, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught us to pray, give us this, our daily bread. So again, we're designed to live in today. We're, that, we're finite creatures. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised the next moment. We're, we're meant to live in today. In the wilderness, how did the manna come? It came, it came daily, enough for the day. So we are, again, we are finite creatures that live one day at a time, one moment at a time, and this is how God has created us. Again, it's not to say that we shouldn't plan or have concern for things in the future. There are, there are plenty of scriptures about planning and that that's a prudent thing to do. That's a responsible thing to do. But we do so knowing that our tomorrow is in the hand of a providential God, a sovereign God. Today is the only day that we have. We cannot deal or solve tomorrow's problems today. Tomorrow's things will be there, and we can deal with them tomorrow when it's today. <laughs> Does that make sense? Um, today is all that we can handle because that's all that God has limited us to. God is not like us. God is outside of today. God sees all of our todays, all of our yesterdays, and all of our tomorrow. He's outside of that. We are not. So all we have is, is this moment. And again, not that we shouldn't plan and prepare, but don't try to bring, don't try to rely on what you're dealing with and what God has provided you today to solve a problem that's going to come next month. That's where so much of our worry comes from. So much of our worry comes from thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen next week, what's going to happen next month, and we're trying to solve that with the grace and the mercy that God has given us today. And that's not how we're designed. That's not how we're, we're meant to, to live. Strength to live tomorrow will be given tomorrow. Today's mercy do not include the strength and the endurance for tomorrow's or next week's troubles. Today's mercy does include the faith to trust that God will meet us there. So he's, that's, that's what we need to do today. When we're thinking about tomorrow, we're th thinking about the challenges for next week, don't think about how we're going to solve them and how we're going to meet that challenge and get all worked up to the point of anxiety and worry. Plan for it. Make your preparations for it. And trust today that God's going to meet you there tomorrow. So there's a big difference. There's a big difference in trying to solve next week's problems and next week's uncertainties today than being, than being in faith knowing that God's going to meet you there planning, getting ready, being prepared, but know that God is going to meet you there when you get there. Again, there's, that's where so much, I, speaking to myself, that's where so much of my worry comes from, is just being consumed and tied up with things that may not even come to fruition, things that may not even come about. So that's not God's design. Um, we don't even know, again, we don't even know what tomorrow's troubles will be. How many times have you worked yourself up over something that never came about? So, so many times. I've wasted so many hours worrying about things that never even came about. Um, we, don't, we can't see the future. We're limited to the, to the today. And so, in fact, we didn't even know 
We don't know if we'll be here tomorrow, like I've said a couple times already. We may be in heaven tomorrow. So, um, again, plan, prepare, be concerned, have care, but do it with God's providence and his sovereignty right at the forefront of your mind. So, again, kind of working towards a wrap-up here. God holds our tomorrows. We can trust him. He loves us. We are so valuable to him. This life is about so much more than our physical bodies, so don't try to reduce it to that. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need better than we do. We're not designed to bring tomorrow's challenges and troubles into today because we don't even know if we'll be here tomorrow. The prophet Isaiah wrote, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. That's Isaiah 26. That there in a summary is the key to defeating worry and anxiousness in our life. Keep your mind fixed on him, our faithful provider, our heavenly father. He is an everlasting rock. We must keep our our trust on him. We are terrible substitutes as the ultimate provider. Anything in this world is a terrible substitute as your ultimate provider provider. So keep your eyes fixed on him. Keep your your trust fixed in him, looking to him, trusting him, and he'll remove worry from your hearts. So, you know, so stop and think, you know, the next time or right now, think about when you encounter a trial or a challenge or uncertainty, a situation that is greater than the resources you have at hand to solve. What do you do? What are you going to do? How do you react? Is your first response going to be one of fear and fret and anxiety? Do we, do we immediately get that tunnel vision that we were, we were talking about? Or do we say, God, I, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how I'm going to face this. I don't know how you're going to solve this. But I know that you're going to be there tomorrow. I know you're going to meet me there tomorrow. I know that I have no clue. There's a gigantic gap in my understanding, but I'm going to trust you and know that I'm yours and I'm valuable to you and you care for me always and that you're going to meet me there tomorrow when I face that challenge and I face that trial. And then we move on and we walk. We walk in faith. So it, it boils down to do we, you know, do, we, do we trust that? Do we trust the providential hand of God and I, and I know we do. I know we do. I know we do, but at the same time we say, God help our unbelief. In the moment, in the moment when the rubber hits the road, let's be disciplined. And let's, let's use the truth of God's word to make these connections in our life. Let's not leave that up on the shelf. Let's take it down and let's put it in our life. And the next time we face this time of worry and this time of fret and this time of serious lack of resources that we know we have, And let's make that connection to God's providence in our life. So, what a happy command to obey. What a joyful command to obey. Worry is is no fun. Anxiousness is no fun. It is, um, it's incompatible with so much of walking and flourishing in the Christian life. So, let's use the truth as word. Let's use one another. Let's remind one another. Let's come alongside one another and encourage each other um, 
to, to, to not do it anymore. <laughs> Just like Jesus said, don't worry about your life. Amen? All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this command. What a, again, what a joyful command to know that uh, we, we don't have to worry. You've told us not to worry, and you've given us such good reasons not to. And Father, just forgive us of all the time and the, that we have wasted doing this, and, I, and I'm sure the time that we'll waste in the future, Father, but help us. Help us to, to root it out. Help us to see that you are a good and loving Father. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.